0: I'm in one of our weeks here in a series that we're calling Living New. And if you've missed it so far, uh, we're looking at six areas that, as a church, we believe are fruit, uh, things that come out of the lives of people who are uh, living their lives and following and seeking Jesus Christ. And so far, we've been through Beloved Child, which means that we sink deep into uh, the understanding that once we give our lives to Jesus Christ in faith, that nothing can snatch us out of his hands and that we can have confidence in that. And then we moved on to what it means to be a self-feeder, namely what it means to then engage in that relationship through specifically Bible reading, Bible memorization, prayer. Uh, And now we are on to servant. What does it mean to be a servant uh, in a Christ-like manner, right? Not just to serve, um, you know, to do nice things, but to really exhibit the fruit of the Holy Spirit as we serve. And I think there's probably a continuum on one end of the serve continuum, just pretend this is it, (laughs) excuse me, uh, is the natural man, right? Who we are in our flesh before Christ, sinners. And we might do some nice things, but none of them are necessarily aimed at glorifying God. A lot of those things are actually so that people will look at us with, uh, you know, with esteem or so that we can get uh, accolades. Um, And then on the other end of the spectrum over here, like the perfect case scenario is just Jesus, right? Like Jesus is the ultimate servant who gave up heaven uh, and the comforts of heaven to come and lower himself and take on human flesh to serve you and I by dying on the cross to take the penalty for our sins. And the rest of us are probably in here somewhere, between those two points. If you've not given your life yet to Christ, I'm not here to condemn you, I'm just saying you're, you're, you're over here, you're still functioning in the flesh. But everybody else, if you've given your life to Jesus in faith, you're somewhere in the middle, and we're still growing, we're still in need of the Holy Spirit, because honestly, like, if you're anything like me, when you serve, when you do something, you kinda like attention. Hey, look what I did. Aren't I special, right? Or we'll serve or do things when it doesn't cramp our schedule or tighten our budget. Or we'll serve where it feels comfortable and doesn't necessarily stretch us. Our goal this morning is to look at how we can grow. My goal this morning is that wherever you are on this continuum between natural man and Jesus, that you would begin to move one step closer. That you'd begin to, to see what it means to really be a servant in the power of the Holy Spirit and begin to move one step closer to, to, to Christ's likeness as a servant. So let's pray and uh, we'll open God's word. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to gather and to celebrate all that you are doing in our lives and in our families and our communities through the power of the Holy Spirit. And my prayer, Lord, is that we would be more and more empowered by the Spirit, that we would be That the fruit of the Spirit would come out of us in ways that would cause us to do things that are not so that we can get applause or so that we can look good or so that we can feel good about ourselves, but that we would be a people who would be so in love with you and so filled with the Spirit that we would serve both our neighbors and the nations for your glory and for your name. Would you make it so as we go to your word this morning? In your name we pray, amen. If you would open your Bibles to Galatians 6, that's where we'll be. If you're not familiar with your Bible, it's going to be way towards the end. Uh, If you go into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the Gospels, then Acts, then you'll hit Romans, then both of the Corinthians, and then you're going to hit Galatians. So way, way, way in the back. It's only a few pages, real easy to miss. But we're going to be in that book. And it's a letter that a guy named Paul wrote to the church at Galatia. And we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 13, and I have three points for you this morning as we talk about what it means to be a servant. Point number one is this, if you're a note taker, a servant wields liberty wisely. A servant wields liberty wisely. Verse 13, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. See, what Paul is talking about here is he's dealing with an issue that all of us have that we have a problem with, namely that we think liberty is the same as license. We use our liberty and take advantage of it for, and, and, and sort of take license to do whatever we want. See, liberty to have a driver's license doesn't mean you can drive however you want. Liberty to, uh, to own a gun, right? This is a big, you know, debated thing. Liberty to own a gun does not give you license to do whatever you want with that gun, Liberty to have a child, right? That's a freedom that we have in America. That, that liberty does not give you the license to do whatever you want with that child, whether pre-birth or post-birth. We don't have that freedom. Liberty instead is meant to be used responsibly, right? Liberty is meant to be wielded responsibly that responsibly because life and death hang in the balance. Liberty to own a gun is to be handled responsibly because life and death are in the balance. Liberty to have a child is to be handled with serious responsibility because life and death are in the balance. See, and Paul is concerned not about those liberties, but about what we believe our liberty, our freedom in Jesus Christ affords us. What is it that freedom in Christ gives us the freedom to do. And he's got a concern that we are thinking that liberty gives us the freedom to sin. Right, we are, Paul's concerned about it because we're prone to do it. He knows, right? We are prone to take advantage of liberty. That's why we speed right? That's why we get on the computer and do Facebook while we're on office time. It's called taking advantage of liberty. That's why we go to Chinese buffets and eat until we can't walk out the door, right? We, just, we, we are people who take advantage of liberty. And this is why also we sin, even though we know the right thing to do. because we receive our freedom in Christ, our liberty in Christ. And the way that we maneuver this situation is to say, I can still sin because God forgives me. We wrongly assume that our liberty in Christ equals license to sin. We, We believe that because we have given freedom from the ultimate consequences of sin in Jesus Christ, then that we can have pet sins sins that we just don't get rid of. And Paul says here and also in Romans, this is not the way that it is supposed to be. But all too often, Christians, we are that way. We have the sins that we just really don't feel like fighting anymore or that we just sort of love. And so we don't fight for holiness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is altogether backwards. We justify our gross overspending as Americans and then we make excuses for our lack of generosity or we launch alibis about why we can't afford to go on a missions trip. We minimize our lust and we normalize our marital discord. We affirm ourselves in our anger because, well, they deserved it. We use our time selfishly and then downplay our lack of involvement in the church or in the community or blame it on somebody else. And as a youth pastor, and as a parent, here's what we also do. We make apologies for pointing our kids to the same things. While we know that what we should be doing is pointing them to Jesus and calling them daily to take up their cross and follow him and do whatever it takes to, 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 to gain treasure in heaven, not treasure on earth, we really secretly just want them to be able to do that and get a good degree and have a nice house in the suburbs and be safe and have three kids and live a happy life. We want our cake and eat it too. We want to be able to sin and claim Christ at the same time. Is that not true of us? And that's what Paul is concerned about. And he's saying, no, 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 Do not use your liberty as an excuse for the flesh. A servant wields liberty wisely. Number two, a servant works out love humbly. So what are we supposed to do if it's not for the flesh? Paul explains, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So this liberty hasn't given us license to sin, rather it's given us a license to love. Right, it's just it's real concrete what Paul is saying. Don't use your freedom in Christ as an excuse to sin. Use it instead to spend yourself on others, to love others. Liberty plus love equals servant. Right? Here's here's what it sort of looks like, right? If we would filter it down through our daily lives. There are things that we have to do, responsibilities. And the Bible calls us to be responsible, and that's okay. We have to go to work to provide. We may have to go to school if you're a student. We have doctor's appointments and we have to make dinner and we have to do laundry and homework and all those sorts of things. And then there are other things that we like to do. We like to go to sporting events and we like to watch the game with the guys and we like to get m- manicures with the girls or have dinners with friends or watch TV or go hiking, et etc. Et and those things aren't bad in and of themselves. Those things are are, are neutral. There are things that can be used for good or evil, but the problem comes, listen, the problem comes when we are concerned about our enjoyment instead of the service or love of others. See, often here's 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 what happens. I'm telling, I, I'm telling you because I know this from my own life. What happens is we go, I'll serve with my leftovers, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch the game with the guys or hang out with the girls. I'm going to do all the things I have to do, and then you can bet on it. I'm doing some of the things that I want to do. And then if there's leftovers, everybody else can have some. They can have a little bit of my time or a little bit of my money or a little bit of my care if I have some leftovers, if I... If I have a little change left in my pocket, I'll drop some nickels into other people's dreams. Here's the things that we do. Being a life house and helping my neighbor clean his garage just does not sound like the best way to spend Saturday. Sounds, what would be better is chicken wings on the couch watching the Buckeyes. (laughs) Shovel someone else's drive, you know how long it took me to shovel my drive? Give up an entire Saturday morning to feed hungry people downtown, are you kidding me? I sleep on Saturday morning. I only have a few weeks of vacation. I'm new, I'm a young adult. I just got started, I only have two weeks of vacation. You want me to give up one of those weeks to go on a missions trip? Two weeks? No way. Do you have any idea how much work it would be? How it would throw our family into turmoil if we adopted or cared? an orphan? See, the goal of our liberty in Christ is not to serve our own desires. The goal of our liberty in Christ, the way that we wield our liberty wisely is to spend our lives on other people. We're to spend our lives in love because that's what Jesus did, right? He's over here. He's the perfect example, but we love the wrong things. We're to follow the example of Christ who left all of those comforts, who who made himself nothing so that we might be rescued. See, let me just, just to make it real, real, real clear. Loving service, Christian loving service is not always easy and it's not always comfortable and it doesn't always fit our schedules and it might cost us something, it might cost us some money It might cost us some time. It might cost us some relaxation. It might cost us some vacation time. And it might cost you and your family some safety. It might cost you your reputation or a friend or two. But the freedom, the liberty that we have received in Christ is meant to be spent on others. This is the heart of a servant. A servant wields liberty wisely to works out love humbly, three, walks in the spirit daily. Now, let me just say, like, if if you're like me, you look at those two points and you go, yeah, I really, I, I want to do that. That's, that's who I want to be. I want to be that kind of a person. But like every time I'm preparing a message, whether for here or high schoolers or middle schoolers, like I am convicted of sin. I hope you guys never feel like because I'm loud that I'm like, preaching to all these bad people, like, I, like, while, while I'm, you know, crushing it as a Christian or something, like, I am, if you knew me, my wife's here, you could ask her, not good, um, but, like, these things convict me, right, like, ah, I do that, I do that, Joe does that, I use my freedom in Christ as an excuse to sin, I, I, I do serve with my leftovers sometimes. You know, was like, hey, no, I really, wa- I really want to sit here and eat chicken wings right now. Or whatever it happens to be. No, I'm not gonna get out of the car to help the person because it's cold or on down the line. Those are just little examples. But I want to grow and so if, 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 if you're like me and here this morning, the, for, through the first two points, you're like, yep, that's me, yep, that's me, yep, I wanna grow, how do I do it? Paul gives us the answer, okay, how do I fix that? Give me some instructions. Paul gives us the instructions. He continues in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law, Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So this section is just packed with stuff that we could, we could deal with for weeks. We could preach this section of scripture for weeks and go through all of the fruit of the spirit. That's not, that's, that's not what we're gonna do. What I want you to do is look at the first Sentence in the paragraph because that's the thesis statement. That is the instruction. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That is the instruction. That is the answer. That is the how to statement. And everything else following fleshes out that thesis statement. He describes this battle that is raging back and forth. The desires of the flesh are against the desires of the Spirit. And what that means is that the, the desires of the flesh are the things that you and I love in our sinful nature as the natural man, unredeemed from Jesus Christ, right? And he lists a whole bunch of those things, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, all of it's all encompassing sexual sin. We don't need to get into the Greek, but it's like every single thing you could possibly think in sexual sin is in there idolatry, which is a massive problem for us in the suburbs because we love a whole lot of stuff more than we love God, sorcery, <coughs> enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Oh, and this is my favorite one, and things like these, right? This is this is the you know, you're not getting out of jail free, right? This is like, ooh, my sin's not on the list. Oh, no, things like these, yeah. (laughs) That's what it is, right? And he says, the works of the flesh are obvious, right? The works of the flesh are evident. The other day, we were, you know, we were hanging out as a family. We're talking about what are some of the things in our lives, you know, that, that are part of who we are. You know, what, what are the labels that would be on us? And, you know, Logan like, oh, I'm a nice boy. Yeah, that would be one of your labels. And Grace was like, I like to pray for people. Yeah, that would be one of your labels. And like, okay, what are some of the things maybe that are, you know, that are negative, some struggles that may be in our lives? Anyone? Right? Like, so we had to sort of, Logan, maybe, anger, yeah, yeah, right? Like, there are, there are all these things, right? Grace, maybe some assassin attitude, right? Like, we started to... But that's what Paul's doing. Like, he's making a whole list, like, come on, you know, they're evident, and things like these, right? The works of the flesh, things that are primarily selfish in nature. The flesh wants to take advantage of the liberty in Christ, but on the, in the other corner, in this boxing match between the flesh and the, and the spirit is the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And he describes this battle back and forth, flesh, spirit. And he says, if you walk by the flesh, here's the solution. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It's actually in the Greek, it's an emphatic. You certainly will not, or it will be impossible for you to do that, why? Because in a competition, only one thing wins only one team will win the world series the indians right and so (laughs) it's the same thing if you are walking in the spirit it's impossible to walk in the flesh if you are if the spirit is working out of you kindness the flesh cannot produce something else it cannot produce anger or hatred if what is coming out of you is patience the flesh cannot produce impatience. If what the Spirit is producing is generosity, you cannot be greedy. And so that's his solution. If you walk in the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You will be a servant. To which I go, yeah, yeah, but how do I do that? Is it like, Walking in the spirit looks kind of like this. <laughs> or like is it a line dance? I don't that's where I'm at like when I'm reading through. Okay, like I I want to do that. I don't want to be that kind of guy who uses his sin as an excuse or his his freedom in Christ as an excuse to sin. I want to serve and love other people, but I know me and that's not my default. The flesh wins a lot of time. I don't want the flesh to win. I want the spirit to win. And the answer can't be just do more, try harder. That's not what the Christian life is about. It's not about just modifying our behavior. So as I'm studying this text, I'm going crazy. Because I'm like, I have to give these people some instructions on how to do it. And so as I'm looking, there's a phrase several times. Walk in the spirit, be led by the spirit, keep in step with the spirit. And I start to work through all the you know Bible things, and I'm like, "This is going to take another hour." <laughs> Welcome to church. No. <laughs> but here's here's the thing: I want everybody to turn your heads over to that wall. There are three signs there. First couple weeks we did "Beloved Child." You guys in the balcony, sorry, we love you. <laughs> the first couple weeks we did "Beloved Child." Then the couple of weeks we did self-feeder and now we're at servant. So if Greg would let me take paint and paint on that wall, he won't. But if he did, right, I would take beloved child and then I would write a plus sign, self-feeder, and then I would put an equal sign in the corner to say servant. Because here's the real quick biblical answer to how we walk in the spirit. We give our lives to Jesus. We sink deep into the truths that we are his children and that nothing can snatch us out of his hands. And we move away from, right Pastor Rick, we moved away from that question mark in our hearts. We don't have to have that anymore. We don't have to be concerned that (coughs) we're not loved or valued anymore. We don't have to be concerned that some of our sins won't be forgiven we can have an exclamation point in that heart. And then Pastor Chad said that we need, to, we need to love prayer if we love the Lord, and that we need to begin to put the Bible into our brains and into our hearts and memorize it and allow it to transform us. And what happens is, this is what happens. As we seek the Lord in relationship with him, as beloved children, being self-feeders, the Holy Spirit uses his word and prayer to transform our hearts and our minds so that we do things that we wouldn't necessarily do in the flesh. The Holy Spirit starts to take over and do the stuff. It's like, huh, somebody's parked on the side of the road. There I am driving over there and I'm helping them. And it's not like a matter of like, Look at me, world, hey everybody, driving by, do you see me helping? It's not that. It's just the Holy Spirit working out of us what we have put in to our brains via his word and via prayer. He's doing something in us that we cannot do on our own. He's developing in us the fruit of the Spirit. We find ourselves like, I am filling out a CVC missions application and I'm sending an email to my boss that I'm taking a week off work, and I'm not broadcasting it. What is happening? The Holy Spirit is transforming my heart and my life. Right, John, like as as Jesus is spending his last moments with his disciples, through John 14, 15, 16, 17, he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments, okay? and I will ask the Father and he will give you a helper. He will teach you all things and bring to remembrance the things that I've taught you. So that's, that's how we walk in the spirit. We put in the things of the spirit through his word and prayer and he brings them out to remembrance as we act in our daily lives. John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. John 17, sanctify them in the truth. So we give our lives to Jesus. We lay down our rights. And we say, I'm gonna serve you with my life. And then we grow as self-feeders. We learn about this God and his love for us and our, our state of being without him. And honestly, as we learn more about that, where we grow in, in, uh, in, in, in thankfulness and worship of him. And then he says, okay, now I've given you this freedom in me. And the freedom is not to spend on yourself. The freedom is that so that you would spend your lives telling both your neighbors next door and the people on the farthest islands of this planet that there is a God who loves them and spent, served, gave his life that they might be restored to relationship. That is the process. We give our lives to Christ, we grow in being a self-feeder, And as we interact with God in the Bible and in prayer, in community accountability, submit ourselves to him, the Holy Spirit begins to transform who we are. We don't transform ourselves. We're not modifying our behavior so that Joe will think we're more Christian-y or that our life group people will think we're more Christian-y. The Holy Spirit does something that is utterly God centered and not me centered. A servant wields liberty wisely, works out love humbly, and walks in the Spirit daily. Here's a take home statement if you forget everything that I said. We are saved to serve. We are saved to serve. And here's what that might look like. Just a few applications. There are billions. There are billions of applications, ways that this could work out in your life and my life. But here are just a few to prick your imagination and maybe point you in the right direction. Let's start real simple. And I've kind of mentioned this. Lord, would you work in me the fruit of the Spirit? Like, right, like we're, we're praying that. Help me to stay close to you, Lord. Keep my eyes off myself and keep my eyes on the needs of others. And we're reading perhaps in the Bible, we're going through you know, the gospels and in Matthew and through the rest of the gospels, we hear the, the greatest of you will be a servant to all. And we're driving down the road, 77, and it happens to be the middle of winter in Ohio. And there's a person on the side of the road and you can tell, They need help. For me, you're going, you've got your flip-flops on. (laughs) Right? The flesh starts to battle, it's cold outside. What if they're dangerous? What if they're trying to take your money? You gotta go to work, you're gonna get your clothes all dirty. You don't have time, gotta get to the thing. The flesh starts to boom, 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 boom. Things that might actually be logical. But the spirit says, you were saved to serve, the greatest among you will be a servant to all. And you, you remembered that from your reading this morning. And you go, thank you, Spirit, for reminding me, for bringing to remembrance the things. And you obey and you pull over. And you're not going to get a lot of praise, but you might get a well done, good and faithful servant. Or maybe you're praying and you're like, Lord, my anxiety is causing me not, not to jump into some of, the, some of the areas of service that I, that I might jump into. I'm, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not good enough or that I'm not smart enough or that they won't like me or that I'm not gonna perform up to the right standards. And so God, would you, would, would you help me? And maybe you're reading in, in Philippians that morning and it, it, it reminds you not, not, not to be anxious but to go to the Lord in prayer, and then he will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And you ask, Lord, would you guard my heart and my mind? And maybe that day, maybe you're at church, or maybe you're with a friend, or you see a flyer on a bulletin board about the Cleveland Pregnancy Center. And the Cleveland Pregnancy Center is just right down the street. And they help expectant mothers who are considering abortion. And they help mothers who have already had their children to to learn how to be moms. And they even support moms who have chosen abortion who need counseling and and discipleship and the flesh is gonna start to bite in and say, you don't have any idea how to engage with these women. You don't know what to say, you'll look stupid. And the spirit says, you were saved to serve. Don't be anxious about this. Give it to me, I'll guard your heart, I'll guard your mind and you take the flyer off the wall or off the counter and you call. And you don't have to wave it around and tell everybody, but you might get a well done, good and faithful servant. You say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you saved me Right? I say, I pray this all the time. If you look at my past, that God saved me, rescued me, redeemed this guy right here on the stage is phenomenal. And so I'm thankful for that often. And so maybe you're the same way and you're praying that God, I'm thankful that you saved me, that you rescued me. Would you, would you help me to share that good news with other people in my work, in my house, in my community, and elsewhere? And your reading for that morning is in Romans and it says, everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And you're like, yes, and then you keep reading, and it says, but how will they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how will they believe in him in whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless someone is sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, and then maybe you see a slide in here or something in your program or on the website or elsewhere that says, hey, CVC is loading up missions trips for 2017 to go and take the gospel to the nations. And the flesh is gonna say, nope, you don't have enough vacation, you don't have enough time, it's gonna be a lot of money to raise. What about, you know, leaving my family for that sort of time? And the Spirit says, you were saved to serve. I will supply All of your needs according to my riches in glory. And so you fill out the missions application and you go. One final one. I'm late, so I have to finish. Maybe you're praying and you say, Lord, would you guide my family? Would you help us to be a life house to serve our neighbors and our friends? Would you help the kids to stand for Christ in school and help my wife and I to, to, to live out the Christian life in a way that shows them the love of Jesus? And then your reading for that morning might be in James 1 that Pastor Ben talked about, and it says, Don't be just hearers of the word, be doers of the word and that religion that is pure before God is this to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and so you call Dr. Ben or you go on his website to Juna Armagara or to Love and Hope Orphanage in El Salvador or some other place perhaps in the Cleveland area that takes care of widows and orphans or, and you give your time sacrificially or you give your money sacrificially or maybe you learn about Forever Home Adoptions, which is an organization started by people in our church who are, uh, their, their, their mission is to make Cleveland an orphanless city. And they're purposefully focused on ages that are difficult to adopt. Everybody wants a baby. But it's really hard to adopt out a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, a 16-year-old. And that's what Forever Home Adoptions is doing. And you hear about them, and the flesh says, whoa, whoa. No way, Jack. Do you have any idea what kind of responsibility that would be? How much time it's going to take up? What it would do to our finances? My life is real, real comfortable right now. I've got X amount of kids and we have money to pay the bills and we have enough rooms and the nice lawn and the stuff. Adopting a teenager is not on the agenda, but the Spirit says. It costs Christ, his life for you to be adopted. You were saved to serve. My hope this morning is that wherever you are on the continuum, that as we look at God's word and as the Holy Spirit prompts us that you would move one step closer, that if you've never given your life to Jesus, that if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart today, that you would go back into that corner after service. There will be people back there who love Jesus and know him and they would love to talk to you about what it means to enter into a relationship with him. I wanna encourage you, if, if the Holy Spirit is tugging on your heart, I need this Jesus that this guy's talking about. Would you, would you go back there after service and talk to some of our team? And if you're a believer in the room, my prayer is that we would just keep moving. Closer and closer to christ likeness as we serve in the power of the Holy Spirit. That CVC would be a church that would dig deep into our status as a child of God, that we would dig deep into His word and study and memory, not so that we could be important, not so that you and I could have our, uh, you know, our, our families or our neighbors or our coworkers think we're a big deal, not so that CVC can get applause from the Southern Baptist Convention, but so that the name of Jesus Christ would be raised high in our neighborhoods and to the world. That's the goal, that we would be, oh man, if we would be a place that would be this kind of servant, that would be concerned not about ourselves and our sin, but about spending our lives on others, The things that we could do in the power of the Holy Spirit to the glory of God would be phenomenal. CVC, let's be that kind of people. Let us go to God's word and then obey it. Not to take advantage of this freedom, but to use it to love the world with all of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And above all, we are astounded that you would rescue us, that you would give your life for these orphaned, foolish sinners, your enemies. You gave your life for us, your enemies. I pray, Lord, that you would cause gratitude to well up in us, that would would drive us deep into your word, deep into prayer, deep into community, that we would be a people who don't just play games, we're not just interested in having a Jesus label on us so that we can get to heaven, but we believe that you, that the, that, that you have the power not only to rescue us for eternity, but to change us right now. That we would live different and spend our lives on others. That they would know the goodness of Jesus Christ, who has offered new life. Would you make us that kind of church, that kind of people, those kind of families? In your name we pray, amen.